Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Let's take our seats. Are you happy to be here? Yeah. Well, tell your face. No. Uh, this morning, you know, I was thinking, what is church about? And I was thinking, well, why, why are we here? What are we doing? Um, why are we watching online? You know, what, what is all this about? And uh, I think if I could encourage you this morning, that would be a good thing. If I could challenge you this morning, that would be a good thing. Often we think of words of encouragement, we take it. Yes, we take it for ourselves. And when we hear challenging words, we look at our neighbor and think, yeah, they really need to hear this. I know someone that should be here and they should be listening to this because you know what? They really need it. Anyway, so take the challenge, take the encourage. And if you're here visiting and you're checking us out, uh, great. We love it. We love it that you're here. And um, we're going to, we, we jump into scripture every week. And uh, I've been talking about holiness, uh, talking about discipline, how we can be disciplined to share in God's holiness. Um, I really enjoyed that message. And I began to talk about being at new creation, and I just wanted to finish that up um, this morning, and what that means to be the new humanity, and I believe that's what God's called us to be. Uh, as followers of Christ, uh, Christ makes his home in us, and uh, he says, if you love me and you obey my commandments, I'll come and I'll make, your, make our home in you by the Holy Spirit. And then not only that, does he recreate us as the new humanity, as new creations, he also commissions us to be his representation here on earth. As, as the new humanity, we're given the task of expanding God's kingdom, which is here already, but it's also not yet. So we're looking forward to the day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will rule and reign. In the meantime, we are tasked with the... Uh, ambassadorship of his kingdom, to be that representation of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't challenge you, then I'm not sure what will. So when people look at us, do they see Christ? Do they see Christ? And I was thinking about this, you know how we have discernment and people say, I've got a gift of discernment. I can see what's wrong with everybody. And I'm thinking, that's no gift of discernment. One, they're human beings, so duh. You know, easy to spot what's wrong with someone. What takes a gift of discernment, obviously, is to see Christ in someone despite their humanness, despite their weaknesses. Can you see Christ in them? And that sometimes takes faith, especially with those we live with, especially those we're close with. You know, my wife is amazing faith. She can see Christ in me despite all the rest of it. And God bless her for that. I tell you, find, find someone of faith if you're out there looking. Uh, someone that can trust in God even when uh, things around don't look so great. Can you trust in God? Can you believe in God? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. This is the Apostle Paul uh, talking to the church in Corinth. And he says this, If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, 
In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their sin and their trespasses against them. Entrusting to them, or to us, the message of reconciliation. Because we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a way of putting things that just reiterated it and made it so clear what was expected. And as the new creation, it's expected that we are representations of Jesus Christ. There's so many points I can pick up here. I spoke recently um, about being that disciple of Christ, being that disciplined in Christ, that we have a share in his holiness. You know, and that, that holiness, that righteousness, these themes that Paul often pick up of what it means to be right with God despite our humanness, despite who we are. And he says, it's not that you're just merely human, you are the new humanity. You are now in Christ. And first and foremost, if you're not, you need to be reconciled with your Creator. And Paul, in this context, he's talking about how Christ died. And because Christ died, we no longer live just for ourselves, but we live for Christ. Secondly, as these new hum humans, we are that representation on earth. And we have that ministry or the work of reconciling others. You see, the gospel, the good news... What we need to understand and what we need to respond to is that the realization that without Christ, we are without hope. Without Christ, we are cut off in our sin and darkness and trespasses. We're lost, the scripture tells us. And we're subject to the ruler of this world. And immediately we think, well, you know what? No, that's not me because I'm a good person. I, uh, I'm nice to, you know, I don't kick the cat, you know, I, I, you know, we're setting the bar really low here, aren't we? You know, this is how good I am, you see. I haven't slapped anyone today. I haven't gone out and hurt someone. I haven't said something I shouldn't have said. So that's what we're saying. We're setting the bar uh, nice and low so we can appear that we are righteous, that we are good enough. But the Bible says there isn't anyone that is good enough. For all have sinned. And that word sin means missed the mark. We've all missed the mark of the glorious standard of the holiness of God, which is comforting in a way, but also in another way, it's like my sin, my unbelief has cut me off from God. What do I need to do to be saved, they asked Peter as he was preaching on the day of Pentecost, because his words cut them to the heart. He, that cut them. The words that he spoke, the gospel, cut them to the point where they, they had to make a decision. And I don't know if you've ever done that, you've ever made that decision, you've ever heard the words that just go right deep into your soul that says, yeah, Lord, I'm a sinner. You know, like Peter on the beach there puts his, falls down on his knees before Jesus says, depart from me for I am a sinner. You know, for all intents and purposes, he was a good Jew, followed the law the best he could, but he realized when he saw Jesus that he was not good enough. And I tell you, that, that maybe needs to be our first encounter 
with the Word of God, that it does cut us to the heart, that it makes us realize that without faith in Christ, without repenting from our sin, we are lost and dead, and we are subject to the rulers of this world. But the good news, by the grace of God, he makes the first move. God made the first move coming in the form of a human who took the punishment that was ours, paid the price for our sin. Christ defeated the powers of darkness and triumphed over them. The darkness that would held us captive in our sin, he triumphed over them, rose from the dead, bringing us into relationship with himself because he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that by faith in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, this act of reconciliation begins with God. God is the one that initiates reconciliation and then entrusts us with that message of reconciliation, representing Christ and demonstrating reconciliation. We are meant to live out a life of reconciliation. You know, to live in unforgiveness is, is likened to the story Jesus told in Matthew 18. There was this servant that was forgiven a large debt, but he went out and made this other guy, this other servant of his who had a small debt, he demanded he paid that debt, wouldn't forgive him, otherwise throw him into prison. And the story ends with that unforgiving servant in the prison of his own making. The point is that the way a person feels when they can't forgive is that they remain bitter, resentful, and end up suffering the most in a prison of their own making. I read this quote the other day. It says, The first to forgive is the strongest. The first to forget is the happiest. And the first to apologize is the bravest. I have three quick points for you this morning. First, we are in Christ. Being in Christ or Christ in us is being shaped and formed from the inside. That God has begun a process in us. And we allow that by the Holy Spirit. We allow God to work in us. Second, knowing Christ's work, taking on Christ's work and being Jesus to the people around us. And third, knowing that we are that reconciled to God. You've got to know that. That the wrath of God was taken upon Jesus Christ and our faith in him means that we are reconciled with him. And then we take on that ministry, as I've said, of reconciliation. Alongside this is knowing that we're right with God. This has got to be the starting point, knowing that you're right with God from moment one. The moment you accept Jesus Christ in your life by faith, you inherit righteousness like Abraham. So point number one, being in Christ. Part of what being in Christ means we are transformed into Christ-likeness. And sometimes, you know, well, that is a process. And it happens from the inside. As we follow Christ, as we take on the discipleship, that's part of our sanctification process. Sanctification means to be set apart or to be declared holy. And there's a process in which we purposefully set ourselves uh, in Christ for the Spirit to have its work in us, for God's Spirit to work His will in, my, in our lives. And we can pray, Lord Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. 
in submission to what God wants, God then says, okay, by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to start working on you from the inside. This is more than the one-time salvation experience because we know we're made right with God through faith. No one is justified by their own works. But God wants to take us on a pathway of discipleship. He wants us to learn to trust Him more. He wants us to grow, you know, that we can take on more responsibility, that we can uh, begin to share more about our faith. And sometimes that's a process. And as we follow as disciples of Christ, and then we, we aim not to be just a little bit like Christ, but being Christ-like. And being that disciple or that follower, it means that we're teachable. And as we follow Christ, we become like him. Paul spoke of this process to the church in Galatians. He says, I labor until Christ is formed in you. Or he says, I feel the pain of childbirth until you truly become like Christ. I love that. The Apostle Paul cared so much about their, their welfare you know, that he wanted, he wanted them to mature in Christ. He wanted them to transform. And it's that, that idea of it, it's hard work for Paul. And the Galatians, we know they flip between obedience to the law and then whether they needed to be circumcised as Gentiles or not, you know, returning to, to all this different obediences. And he says, listen, what I really want is Christ to be formed in you. And we can be shaped and formed by so many things in our life. Isn't that true? And sometimes getting to know what shaped us, what formed us, that can help. It helps us sometimes to know how we became who we are, what makes us, what shapes us, what's forming us. And we can, of course, point to outside influences, you know, oh, they made me do it, or this was because of my upbringing, or this was because someone said something. And, you know, we point to those outward things and think, well, we have no control over those. And perhaps they happened so long ago that we're still feeling the effects from those. But the Word of God is key in shaping us. We have to have the Word of God into us, and we can become the person who God wants us to be by taking on His Word, by listening to His Word. And many have tried changing external things, thinking that will fix the problem, but when it's the inside needs to be changed. Changing superficial things doesn't deal with what's on the inside, because God is looking for hearts that are changed, not outward appearances. And knowing who we are in Christ is often part of the battle, because the battle is in our, in our mind. What we think about ourselves, what we think about God, tells us a lot about what we think about ourselves. And in Jeremiah 31, verse 33, he says, Listen, I'm going to make a covenant with you, the house of Israel, and I will put my law within your heart. I'll write them inside you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And he says, I'll write them in your heart so that you want what I want. I'll write them in your mind so that you will know what I want. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to get the Word of God into us, and that comes through the dwelling of being in Christ and being in His Spirit. And as we are dwelling, as Christ is dwelling in us, He can't help but transform us. Jesus said, John 
14, if you love me and you obey my commandments, my Father and I will come and make our home in you by the Holy Spirit. And he says that's the same passage. He says, I've got a helper, and it's the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you. He's going to change you. He's going to transform you. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He wants to come and make a home in us. And Paul, in, the, in Romans 6, he describes this, a part of this journey and transforming agency of the Holy Spirit who makes us holy, set in motion by our participation in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, from the transformation of our will, our actions, our priorities, our desires, and healing and reversing every curse, every ill that's come upon us. Jesus reversed at the cross. He says, listen, I'm taking away your sin. I'm taking away your pain. I'm taking away your sickness. I'm taking away the control of the evil one and I'm triumphing over it because death couldn't hold him. Sin couldn't keep him. The grave couldn't hold him back. He rose from the dead triumphantly, making a spectacle, the scripture says, over the powers and the principalities that would rule this world. And we welcome the role of the Holy Spirit within us. We acknowledge that God calls us holy Because we have the Holy Spirit, even though our experience says we are not. In our humanity, we say yes and amen to the Word of God. And we say, come on, have your way, have your Word, work in us, and have your Word change my reality. Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, It is God who has at work within you, willing you, and working on you, willing you to work His good pleasure. You know, I want to do what God's called me to do. Well, praise God, God's working on me. And Paul says, it's not that I'm already obtained. It's not that I've already finished. But I know that God will complete a work that he begun in me. Thank God for that. I know it's hard sometimes for us to be God inside minded. You know, to daily remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. And Christ is in, in us to build his living word to us. Christ, the word of God, comes and makes his home in me. And out of my abundance of my heart, because I've placed God's word in my heart, out comes his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces and it divides between what is soul and what is spirit, between joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you're not feeling convicted or uh, 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 challenged by the Word of God, I'd I'd say, are you actually reading it? Are you actually letting the Word of God do its work in us and begin to see ourselves in the light of the Word of God? When God says, I have made you righteous, when did He make you righteous? When did that happen? Some 2,000 years ago. That's when it happened. And we participate in that by faith. And sometimes it's hard to see ourselves in Christ, to see ourselves as new creations, to begin with the view that we're already made right with God and we will see ourselves in the reflection of the mirror of God's Word. But if we just see ourselves as merely human, as human beings subject to our carnal nature, we seem to revert to our default setting. What is your default setting when you look in the mirror? What do you see? Do you see yourself as a child of God? Do you see yourself in Christ? Do you see yourself as someone who God loves, whose God has saved, whose God has redeemed? And we need to sometimes have authority. 
We need to have authority over thoughts that are contrary to God's word, to God's will. Because the mind is our battleground. And sometimes we'll find that we're actually fighting against ourselves. We're fighting against the conditioning of our life that has told us we are this and we are that. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, We live as human beings, but we don't wage war as human standards. The weapons of our warfare are not human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a way of thinking that challenges the will of God. If God says something and we're thinking another way, we've built up a stronghold in our life. And he says it has divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And not only that, do we, we take the captive the thoughts that are contrary to Christ, that they can obey Christ. If we're feeling thoughts and feelings and we know that's contrary to Scripture and we know that's contrary to His Word, then we have weapons and we can say, I'm taking that thought captive. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe what God says about me. And you know, right there in the Garden of Eden, the first thing the, the, the serpent said was question God's Word. Did God really say? Did God really say that you're righteous? Did God really say that you're holy? Did God really take away your sin? Look at your, the mess your life is. Did God really say that? And the same temptation comes to Jesus and he, and he says, no, I'm not going to worship you. And he quotes the word of God. He says, I'm not going to bow the knee. I'm not going to um, uh, show off myself. I'm not going to turn these things into bread because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds at the mouth of God. Christ knew his weapons and he knew how to use his weapons. And he knew who he was. He didn't need some miracle to prove who he was. He knew who he was. And I tell you, we have that confidence of Christ in us that we know who we are and that we are clothed in his righteousness, that we are dressed ready for the, for the, uh, as, as the bride's ready for the bridegroom. You know, as a church, he says, my church is my bride and I'm ready in them to, for the wedding feast. You know, interestingly, a bride all dressed in white will do everything they can not to get those clothes stained. They're not going to run out and play football in the mud, you know, because they are dressed ready for that, that wedding day. And I say as a church, we're dressed in the robes of righteousness. We're wearing those robes ready to be presented to Christ himself. And we endeavor to remain unspotted from the world. But it's different if you're out working on your motorbike, you're changing the oil or you're doing some gardening or whatever uh, you do with yourself and you, you, you're wearing your, your old jeans and your old clothes and you're messy and you're dirty uh, and your knees are in the mud there, you know, and you spill a drink, what's the matter? What's the, doesn't matter, does it? I'm already mucky, I'm already dirty. And I wonder if some people see themselves like that, you know, see themselves as I'm mucky, I'm dirty, I'm a sinner. You know, what, what does it matter if I just do this or I do that? But I tell you, when you see yourself dressed in the robes of righteousness, you see yourself as a child of God and you see the opportunity, the temptation to, to, to mucky yourself with the world, you say, I'm not going near that. I'm not touching that. I am the child of the living God. I ain't going there. You know, there's a difference on how we dress and the different how we attitude. You know, I'm not talking about clothes now. I'm talking about how we, how we are on the inside. 
We are Christ's body getting ready for his return. We have that different attitude about us. We are clothed with righteousness. We have been born from above. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We are made right with God. We have the word of God as our weapons. We have that shield of faith to protect us. We have that breastplate of righteousness covering the the most vulnerable parts of us. We have righteousness protecting us. And we have that sword of the Spirit. You read that in Ephesians. So what is our default setting? Our default setting is that we are in Christ, that we are right with God. And that happened 2,000 years ago, and we accepted it and moved into that. And when we're faced with challenges and temptations, you know, we can stand up straight, not in boasting of our own achievements, as if by works we're made right with God, but because of what God has done for us. Furthermore, we've participated in his death and his resurrection, and we are no longer living to please ourselves and our old human nature. We're living for God and living to please him. That's point number one. Point number two, reconciliation. Reconciliation is the most important thing for humanity to be reconciled to their creator. It's the highest calling of all. It's that commission from the king. It's saying, not only have I been rescued, have I been saved, but I'm about the business of the king. That's where I want to be. I want to be out reconciling others. And I wonder how much of us see this as our calling. How much of our time do we spend thinking about those who are lost and helpless and hopeless? Do we really believe they're lost? Or do we believe by their good works somehow they'll make it? Either somehow by the skin of their teeth? Or do we genuinely know and understand that without Christ they are lost? You know, when we've been forgiven so much that we realize that we couldn't have done it by ourselves. We realize that there's so many others in this position. I had the privilege of uh, doing a funeral yesterday um, for a lovely lady, Gina. And uh, I'm doing the service, and it's a real thanksgiving because she knows she knew the Lord, and she's with the Lord, and she's happy. And everyone that got up and stood, they said that, you know, that, that she knew her creator. And it's a real privilege to do that for, for someone who knows, who knows the Lord and knows where they've gone, and they're in God's presence forever. But anyway, I had the opportunity to share the gospel, you know, <laughs> Never miss that opportunity. And in the audience, I think, is uh, my old English teacher from school. Um, my, the, the head of year was here. There was two um, senior people from Ely College. They were here. And I'm not sure they remembered me. I kept my head down at school. You know, nicely well-behaved. It's, it's not quite It's not quite. I can't tell those stories. Uh, because I'm, uh, they're in the past. But... You know, I thought what a privilege it is to share the gospel with my old teachers. Uh, Never miss an opportunity to uh, give an account for the faith that you have and to challenge people. I, I said to them, do you know Jesus? Do you know what happens when you die? Do you know if you left this room today and this was your last day, you know where you'd be going into the eternal presence of God or eternal uh, absence from God in hell and dam- damnation? You know, where is your eternal destiny? Do you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, funeral is the perfect opportunity to do that. And it's easy when the person who your life you're celebrating, you know, knew the Lord. And, and I, I said to her, she knew the Lord. Do you know the Lord? This is your friend. This is your family. Yeah. Anyway, I'll never miss an opportunity to share that 
and, and try and talk to people and say, come on, be reconciled to God. Being reconciled to God comes with that commission, doesn't it, to reconcile others. This means maybe a change in our priorities, uh, that Christ will bring his purpose and his order to our lives. When Christ is made the, our center, our focus, our motive, and the source of what we do, means that we not only want to be reconciled with God, that we want to reconcile others. Being reconciled means a restoration of relationship. And I know when relationships break up, there's hurt, there's, there's pain, and there's things that... Uh, that come between us and it constantly, constantly digs at us. And if we're constantly thinking of ourselves as not reconciled, you know, we're thinking of ourselves in our sin, in our guilt and condemnation, we're thinking about uh, our weaknesses, our failures, our doubts, our fears, the things that kept us from having relationship with God, here comes the new creation. Without condemnation, without fear, instantaneously a child of the living God reconciled to him. So there's no more condemnation, there's no more fear, there's no more sense of sin or unworthiness. You know, we can have that embrace with God himself. I truly believe this and I believe this is a message for, that we need to bring to others too. You know, all those things that you've filled your life with thinking they're going to make you happy and you haven't got relationship with your creator. Or maybe you don't even believe in a creator. Maybe you believe somehow you're here by accident, and then you know we come and go, and nobody cares, and then it doesn't really matter what you do. You can make up your own moral rules. But the truth is we have a creator. We have a living God that wants to make his home in us. That's the truth, and there's no getting away from it, and we can't just fill ourselves with things we think are going to make us happy if we're not having a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God through Jesus Christ. Because we are righteous. That's why I'm going to close with this. The righteousness that we have is not of our own works. The Apostle Paul talks of Abraham and how he was being, how he was righteous and how he was right with God. And that right standing with God that we have is akin to Abraham because of his faith or his faithfulness. It was accounted to him as righteousness. This was before the law of Moses. This was before, you know, Abraham didn't have his life altogether. You know, he, he lied and he, he slept with his wife's um, uh, servant, you know. And there's so many things you can look to Abraham's life. But he says, because he believed God, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith alone was enough for him to be declared righteous. And Paul picks this up in Romans and he says, if Abraham believed, we can, we, if Abraham believed and was accounted righteousness, we can believe and have right standing with God. And we inherit the promises that Abraham, not because we're his physical descendants, because we're not, because we as Gentiles simply believe that we are heirs according to the promise by faith and faith alone. Faith in Christ is what credits us with righteousness and right standing with God. You know, there's a miracle that takes place when we accept Christ into our lives that we are a new creation, that old things are passed away and everything has become new. Paul makes that so clear in our scripture. And we could take the worst person in the world, the dregs of humanity, of 
dregs of modern civilization. And God says, let me see what I can do. I can recreate them in a single moment from a convict to a child of God. And not only does he recreate us, the Father's heart, listen, in our scripture, the Father's heart whispers, him who knew no sin, I made to become sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I just for a moment think, let that sink into my consciousness. What does it mean for me to be right with God? This is the Father speaking. And the moment we accept Christ as our Savior, confess Him as our Lord, we leave our old life behind. We've all got things in our lives that we're not proud of. We've all got things if we admit that maybe we've been in unbelief. Maybe we've hurt people. You know, maybe we need to seek reconciliation. Maybe we need to seek forgiveness from people. And the moment you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you know, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. God is faithful and he has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He's called us. Not only has he made us clean and made us holy, he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to walk and talk with us like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. That fellowship with God is, is what the new humanity is all about. And out of that fellowship with God, we can't help but live the way that God wants us to live. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. And he works on us and he challenges us and says, who are you bringing into reconciliation? Who have you forgiven that needs to be, that, that you need to forgive? But this comes from a place of knowing who we are in Christ. See, the command that they, he gave those first humans is to be fruitful and to multiply. You know, that was part of God's divine order, his divine created order. And he gave those humans the rule and reign on the earth. But that rule and reign was in partnership within him. That was the creation. And now we're coming into the new creation where we're meant to care for our fellow humans. And there's no better way to care for our fellow humans than to bring them into right relationship with God. That's how, you know, he says, love God and love people. Love God with all your heart, your mind and your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a challenge in itself. Do we love ourselves? Do we love our neighbor? Do we love them enough to bring them into relationship with Jesus Christ? I, I could just carry on and on, but I'll stop there. So God in his grace makes the first move. He came in human form, took the punishment that was ours and paid the price. He defeated sin and darkness, triumphed over them when he rose from the dead. He brought us into relationship with him. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And all these righteous new humanity has a calling to reconcile others to God. This means we urge others to know God as their maker, to prevent them from going off into sin and darkness, to urging them to believe that Christ died for them, Christ rose again, 
And consequently, we died with him to our old life and that we no longer live for ourselves. Let me just close where I opened. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might in him become the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's just close our eyes and pray for a moment. We're going to take communion shortly. And I want to pray. I want to pray that as we take communion, that we know what it means that his body was broken for us and that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. I want, to, I want, I want us to pray that if we don't know Jesus, that we've been challenged or encouraged by this message today to say, Lord, I want to know you. that I know that I'm a sinner and I'm cut off from God, that I know I've fallen short and I want you to come into my life. I want you to make your home in me. I repent of that old life and I ask you to make me a new creation. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your loving kindness. And help me, Lord, every day to live the way you've called me to live. In Jesus' name, amen.